Welcome to the USU Career Studio podcast that helps you navigate your career path. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to tell your friends and family all about it. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere else you listen to get access to our newest content. Thanks for joining us for our Friday face-to-face episode. I'm Marissa Armitstead, your host, and I am so excited to welcome alum Emily Perry to the show. Welcome, Emily. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm super happy to be here with you today. So excited to be chatting with you. Emily Perry has been studying movement and mindfulness for nearly two decades and is passionate about educating others on how to embody health and wellness through a variety of mindfulness practices. Her master's degree in history focused on the history of yoga education, and she now oversees and teaches for the yoga studies minor and directs the lifetime activity program for the kinesiology and health science department here at Utah State University. She is passionate about health and wellness and loves providing support and wellness resources to her students. Holy cow, Emily, so excited to have you on this month as we chat about uh, tons of different majors that fall within um, the the health and education kind of field and realm. Um, I have to start out by saying you have such a cool fun fact, which is that you learned how to balance and do a handstand in your late thirties and you can still do this where I have to know, like, where did the inspiration for this come from? (laughs) Well, it's, you know, the reason that I wanted to share this fun fact is because I just feel like it's so important for your listeners to know that they're, you know, it's never too late to learn something new. You know, you can, um, pick up a new skill later in life. And, um, it's just something, you know, I've, I've been teaching for, uh, teaching yoga for a long time now. And, I guess I, it just felt like something challenging and fun. And it felt like a huge accomplishment when I finally caught that balance in the middle of the room. Yes. So I hope I'll still be doing it when I'm 90, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I love, yes, I love that principle of it's never too late. And in fact, um, I work with a lot of students um, at the Salt Lake Orem um, centers, kind of at the statewide level. And so we have a lot of students who are returning for various reasons. Oftentimes they're a little bit older. And this is one of the biggest um, reframes I think my students have to walk through is I'm not behind. It's not too late. I'm starting today wherever I'm at. And so I think that is a beautiful thing to talk about. And I think that's a great example. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, I'm super disappointed. We don't get to see it today, but maybe in the future we'll, we'll make that happen. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Come to a yoga class and I'll show you. I'll yes. Teach you how to do it. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay. Well, let's dive in. I have so many questions, so we'll see what all we have time for today, but maybe give us a little bit of context. When did you first learn about yoga? What drew you into this? How did, how did you end up in this space? Well, um, I think like so many of us, I really just thought yoga was all about stretching muscles and I have always been a runner. I've always been athletic. And so I started going to a yoga class, mostly just to stretch my hamstrings so that I could keep doing my sport. And I think I was probably in my early twenties when I started doing that. I'm 45 now. And um, what was interesting is that it did help my sport. It helped my, you know, helped my body, helped with flexibility. But I started noticing that I just felt better. You know, my I felt like I had a little bit more clarity in my mental state. 
I felt like I had a little bit more control over my emotional state. And this was also the same time that I was uh, becoming a new mom. And it just, I feel like it just saved my life. <laughs> yes. So I, I went, I started for the stretch and I stayed for the mental clarity and emotional health. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, well, no, I could go on like 10 different tangents connected to that. Um, but let's see, where do I want to go? I'm, I, I'm actually very curious. So your master's degree, okay. I, when I first like saw it's in history, I was like, well, that's interesting. And then I saw oh, history in yoga. Like, how did you even learn that that was a thing? <laughs> yeah. My, my path is really interesting. So after I started practicing yoga, I fell in love with it. I started teaching and, um, I started teaching here at USU just for our lifetime activity program, which is what I now direct. And so, uh, just as a little sideline, that lifetime activity program is, um, it's a service learning program that we provide here at the kinesiology and health science department. And we have almost 70 different activity courses for students to come and, you know, try something new, engage with uh, students from other departments. So it's a really great networking and socializing activity. And then it's just fun. They just get to play. So we have basketball and volleyball and ice skating and skiing and bowling and fly fishing. I mean, almost anything you can think of. And so um, I started teaching yoga for this program back in, I think it's been oh over 15 years ago now. And the yoga classes just kept growing and growing and growing. And I kept learning more and more and more about it. I was so curious as to why it was having such a profound effect on me. And also at this point, I was seeing the profound effect it was having on my students as well. So I started sort of um, branching out with the information and I started studying, you know, what, what really is yoga, you know, and like I said, it, it on the surface, it appears to be just a series of movements that helps our bodies stretch and strengthen and create balance and harmony. But it's really fascinating because essentially it's uh, moving meditation. And so, um, the I think one of the biggest misperceptions is that yoga is all about the body when really it's a tool to help calm and settle our minds. We just use the body as sort of the focal point so that we can pull some of that awareness away from the mental noise and into our bodies toward a more felt sensation. And in that way, we kind of give ourselves a reprieve from you know, the constant narratives that are on loop in our minds. And when we do that often enough, we start to develop a sense of awareness that sort of exists beyond the thinking mind. And we can start to find these little pockets of peace throughout our day, maybe a kind of a moment of quiet in between thoughts, or maybe you're more inclined to notice nature or, um, you know, just to kind of drop in and settle into the moment. So I, I, I was so fascinated by this. And, and at this point I had been doing numerous yoga trainings that were really focused specifically on the physical aspect. And the thing I was really lacking was the under understanding of the history. So I, um, 
at that point, you know, I, I actually returned to school as a graduate student and non-traditional student. I started, <laughs> I, I know, see, it's, that's, it goes back to what I said in the very beginning. I, I started grad school, um, well, I graduated from grad school 20 years after I graduated from my, with my bachelor's degree. <laughs> and at that point, we had started this yoga studies minor here. And so I had already dived into the, the um, education, the broadening education of yoga. So I, I went on and studied the history of yoga in the history department and then came back to KHS and and here I am. So I really have been here in um, kinesiology and health science the whole time, but I did jump over to history just because I felt that that was an element of yoga I was really missing and needed to understand more. So, oh, so interesting. Okay. I have, I have a follow-up question connected to, um, okay. So in my mind, and you can tell me how this is wrong, but I'm curious because in my mind, okay, I've, I've heard the terms like yoga, meditation, guided imagery, do these all fall like in, in a bucket or a category? Are they different categories? Like how do these different, and I know you're maybe not the expert in all of these different things, but like, how do these pieces fit together? Help me understand. This is such a great question. I'm so glad that you asked this because it does get very, very confusing. You start to look at all of these different elements and, and you kind of start to wonder, well, how does this all fit together? And, um, Essentially, meditation in and of itself is a state of being that we can't actually just drop into. You know, usually when people say, oh, I'm going to sit, I'm going to go meditate. What they really mean is that they're going to go and create the conditions for meditation to occur sort of spontaneously. It's almost like if you are going to sleep at night, you can't just lay down and say, okay, I'm going to be asleep now. You actually have to create the conditions to occur. You know, you lay down, you cover up with your favorite blankets, you read your favorite book, you close, you know, you turn down the lights. So you create all of the conditions for sleep to happen. And then when it happens, it's almost like a surrendered state. So meditation itself is actually that sort of surrendered state. So what we have with guided imagery and yoga and um, other tools like even just art and um, you know athletic flow states are some of these conditions is that they we kind of set ourselves up for the condition of for for the state of meditation to just sort of happen to us so i would say that all of those elements that we hear about even even scriptural study or um you know, any number of practices, they're all just tools that we can use to help create the conditions for a meditative state to happen to us. That is so interesting. And I've never heard it been described in that way, but that, that is so helpful. I've never thought about it that way. That's really, really interesting. Okay. This is so good. Um, let's see. So from there, kind of moving into a slightly different question, um, I'm really curious about research. And again, you can share as much or as little as you want to on the subject, but I'm curious about kind of the research or the science behind movement and mindfulness. You know, are people going to live longer? Are they going to be happier? Like what are some of the known effects of, of meditation and, and maybe yoga as well? Yeah. So there is a growing body of research that's starting to study the effects of the mind, um, not only obviously on our emotional states of being, you know, um, obviously our headspace affects anxiety levels, stress levels, um, depression, all of those um, sort of emotional states of being. 
but it also has a direct effect to our physical body. So this is, this is um, again, it's a growing body of research. They're starting to see the effects of stress on all of the systems of the body. So in Eastern medicine um, and in yoga, they, they kind of look at dis disease in the body as dis-ease. So there's some sort of unease happening in the body. And what it really, what they're really looking at is that it has in some way gotten out of balance. So we have all of these systems in our body. We have circulatory systems, digestive systems, respiratory systems, cognitive systems, and they're all these like finely tuned systems that are just, you know, they miraculously function for us. And so when one of those systems kind of goes off track, then it kind of throws things off. And this is when we start to develop an imbalance in the body. So when we're looking at health, we're really trying to restore balance. We're really just looking and saying, okay, where am I out of balance? What happened? You know, can I, where can I restore balance so that my body can go back to just doing what it knows how to do, which is to just function optimally. And so when we practice yoga, this is what's so interesting about the physical practice <clears throat> is that when we do, when we do movement in yoga, we're coordinating breath with movement. And the interesting thing about breath <clears throat> is that it can actually, it's one of the ways that you can sort of settle the mind. So it, you know, you hear the, these things like, well, just take a deep breath, you know, these kind of statements that are really popular. And, and truly, if you sat and you kind of focused on your breath for a moment and say you counted your breath so that you had an even inhale with the exhale, then during that time and that intense focus on your breathing, you, your, your thoughts would cease for a little while. And so when you come to a practice and you bring your breath into movement, you're not only settling and quieting your mind, but you are actually creating a harmonious relationship between your breath and your body. And so that harmonious relationship then leads toward more harmony in the other systems of the body. And over time, you can start to reset those systems and get things back into balance. And so it's a really interesting sort of way to um, recognize, first of all, the power of the mind to take us both out of balance, but also back into balance. If we can learn how to kind of quiet it down and let the body do what it does best. And um, then the other thing, of course, is bringing um, sensation other than, you know, we're, we're always listening to our thoughts and, and sort of following what the thoughts are saying to our, to, to us in terms of what to do and um, how to do it. But when we move with our bodies in this way, we're learning how we're learning about the intelligence of the body, that there's actually feeling there and um, that we can tune into that feeling of the body to say, well, am I hungry? Well, I don't know. I'm not going to let my mind answer that question. I'd rather have my body answer that question. And or it could be something like, gosh, I'm feeling a little bit run down and it could be just the earliest, earliest signs of getting sick. And instead of saying, oh no, I don't have time for that, which is a mind construct. You could say, well, I'm actually going to really tune in and listen to my body and see what my body has to say about that. And then we start to really trust and, and follow through on um, the intelligence of the body, which is just absolutely incredible. So again, this is sort of a growing body of research, but they are finding more and more connections between stress and physical health, you know, anxiety and physical health 
which are, of course, those are conditions of the mind. So this is so interesting. And, you know, my brain is kind of connecting this and it has questions around is, are these practices becoming more common? And I don't want to call them as a prescription, but like in addition to other treatments, like, so for example, if somebody has severe anxiety or bipolar disorder or, or some kind of like mental thing, is it becoming more common for them to be, you know, maybe prescribed, you know, therapy in addition to medication and like yoga and meditation? Like, I'm just curious, are those, are those worlds overlapping at all? Do you see that happening? I do see it happening. I see it happening more and more. I don't know what, to what degree that it's happening. Um, I, I would like to think that that's happening more often. I do see that there's more interest in that side of things. You know, I feel like, especially with COVID and, um, you know, how taxed our healthcare system is, people are starting to recognize that they really need to start taking their health into their own hands. And I would, you know, I would always say that, you know, the, the prescribed medications, it's always helpful. You know, you know, it's, it's a both and situation. So especially when it comes to mental health, I would say, absolutely talk to your doctor, work with your doctor on what can be done from more of a Western medical standpoint, but then also add in some of these techniques because first of all, they're free. Yes. <laughs> they have no side effects and you can do them anywhere. That's another thing I would mention about meditation is that there's such this um, misconception about, oh, I've got to sit still and I've got to have my spine straight and I have to do it right. And I've got to turn off my thoughts and I've got to have a quiet room. It's not the case at all. My favorite ways to meditate are just throughout the day. I like to um, just kind of bring my attention to the most mundane activities, really feeling the water while I wash my hands or wash the dishes or be really present while I'm petting my dog or sweeping the floor. And so it can be built in um, throughout your day. It doesn't have to be a formal sit down practice, but that helps too. So I would say both. <laughs> yes. I, I love that All approach. Of yes. And. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. I love, 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 love. Um, I'm really curious. Okay. So your work, you have a very interesting role here at USU. You're doing some teaching. You're also overseeing um, the lifetime activities program. So talk to me a little bit more about like, what does a day in the life of Emily look like? And it probably varies, but give me like some snapshots. Well, um, my day always, always starts with meditation and breath work, which is um, in yoga, it's called pranayama. And it's just, it's just some breath work practices that bring your attention to your breath. So I usually start my day at about 5am. I like to sit in the dark. Um, I do some reading and some study first thing. And then I kind of alternate days, but I really love to get out in nature. It's another one of my practices. So oftentimes I will go out and I'll be on the trail because I like being in the mountains. I'll be on the trail right before the sun rises and I'm running or walking my dog. And then I have to hustle, <laughs> get back. Um, I'm in the office um, most of the day, but I, I do teach um, many of our yoga studies courses. So I work and I teach, um, and I also have a family. So I have a son that goes to Edith Bowen. So he's just right across the, the field from me, which is so nice. So of course we take him to school and I work all day and then I come home and I, I just really dedicate the rest of my evening to my family and 
got um, three boys and my husband. So we like to eat dinner together. And um, that's a pretty typical Monday through Friday week. But I love that practices that are important to me that I try to fit in. Yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing those. And, and some of the examples that you've even given have been really helpful of just, you know, it doesn't have to be a, I'm setting aside 20 minutes to meditate. It can just be, let me feel this moment and let me focus on this one little thing in front of me. And I think that that's so helpful. So I really appreciate those thoughts. Um, I'm really curious as you think about your work, and this could be from teaching, this might be more from um, the, the lifetime activity program, but where, where have you found like satisfaction and joy in your work? Like what are those moments that just make it all worth it for you? Oh my gosh. I cannot even tell you how much I love my students. I I just, I love, love working with the students here at USU. Um, I, I love, I love seeing those little aha moments when somebody recognizes a little moment of connection within themselves, you know, maybe a moment of pause between their thoughts or they've recognized a practice that's helpful for them or they or even something like they they were able to do an arm balance in a yoga posture that they never thought that they could do before and it's moments like those and interacting with the students i you know i feel like i would do this for free (laughs) yes we love this yes I i love the students so much and they're so inspiring and i'm constantly learning you know really a lot of what i learn as far as the practices go and what works and what doesn't work and um really just seeing you know seeing how the practice affects my students is just a testament to this practice to me i i see how it's shifting them and how they're growing and evolving and i'm just constantly inspired so oh, we love to hear uh that that you know those moments when you get lost in the work when you could do it and and you wouldn't have to be paid off oh, that's such a good sign that you are doing something right and so i i love to hear when, when folks when folks have that to share um I, I want to get a little bit practical. So, okay, these are beautiful thoughts. I'm now focusing on, okay, so if I'm a student, how can I get involved? How can I start a- applying this to my life? So I would love to hear a little bit more about um, the Lifetime Activities Program. Um, but I'm also just curious, kind of on a broader scale, what are some of the resources that you think like all USU students should be aware of? Well, so in um, obviously we have a a lot of really great degree programs in the kinesiology and health science department. Um, You know, we have PE, physical education, we have exercise science, we have um, uh, professional health, masters of professional health. We have um, so so we have various degrees that are so engaging for the students but then the lifetime activity program that's really just for fun i would say those are one credit classes um i just feel like it's so important to make sure that you're breaking up your academic work with something that moves your body and gets you kind of out of your headspace a little bit um we do have the yoga studies minor and for those who are interested in teaching yoga Uh, then we also, within that program, we're able to certify students so that they can go out and teach. And that's really cool because you can finish that within two years. You don't have to wait until you finish your degree. Uh, You can get your certificate. And so we have a lot of students that start teaching while they're still finishing their degree. Um, Some of them are teaching on campus for us, and some of of them are over at the ARC. Um, But I would say just you know, if you're at all interested in health and well-being, 
that you should come and talk to some of our advisors at KHS, or I'd be happy to talk to you about the yoga studies minor because, you know, I'm always excited to, to meet new students. And um, I would just say, come and come and check it out. Even if you're not in KHS or interested in, in majoring, come and check out these lifetime activity classes. They are so fun and we have something for everybody here. So Awesome. And Emily, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. So if you need to, t- need to take a second, there we go, to think about it. Um, so I, I always am thinking about statewide students. There's so many great resources on the Logan campus. I'm curious, and maybe this is a challenge. It's something you'll have to think about. But I am curious, how can statewide students get involved? And maybe it's not necessarily through USU, like community. I mean, I'm just trying to think, you know, for students who may not have direct access to all of Logan's resources, what are some ways you think they might be be able to get involved? Well, one thing is that we actually do have extension campuses that do provide a small handful of lifetime activity programs. Um, But I, I do feel like USU is doing a really, really great job at creating more online opportunities for students. I know they've already done an incredible job and we continue to expand on that. Um, as far as my specialty goes right now, we, we don't offer yoga studies in an online format, but there are just so many resources out in the community. Um, I, I would just recommend, you know, doing a little search, you know, start looking and, and really as you're searching, there's so many different styles and teachers and approaches, you know, as you're looking through and kind of, you know, I would, I would recommend that you sort of just feel your way through. And if you find something that really resonates or makes sense with you, then dive in a little bit deeper. But I feel like as far as education goes, whether it's yoga studies or health science or anything, there's just a wealth of information out there that it doesn't have to necessarily come through an academic institution, that people are just pouring their hearts out and they're sharing their information, they're sharing their knowledge. And I feel like um, if you want to, if you want to learn about anything, you, you can. <laughs> yes, I totally agree. Yes. <laughs> Oh, well, I can't believe a half an hour has already gone by. That blows my mind. But I do want to end with one final question. Um, and it's really kind of focused on on you. And it, as you think about maybe like 18-year-old Emily, um, what, what kinds of career advice would you tell yourself? Well, I think I was just so caught up when I was 18 about picking the right thing. You know, I was so concerned, like, oh, I've got to pick this path and I've got to stick to it. And it's the one and only decision. And it's the most important decision I'm going to make in my life. And I think if I were to um, give some advice to my younger self, I would say, you know, just trust yourself. You know, so often we're looking out to everybody else to say, what should we do? What should I do? Does this sound right? Does this sound right? But really, ultimately, I would just sit with yourself for a little while, see what feels right in the moment, and then follow that next right step. And don't worry about the whole trajectory or the whole path, but just follow the next right step. And I feel like it's more like a scavenger hunt. One step leads to the next step, leads to the next step. And then you'll just, you know, if you keep trusting yourself and um, tuning into your own intuition, then you'll find your path and you'll find your way. And it might not look anything like what you expected, which is the case for me. Um, 
but it's been really, really fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was beautiful. And I love, I've never heard somebody use the analogy of a scavenger hunt, but I'm going to have to think about, I love that. I think that is so accurate when we talk about careers. So Emily, thank you so much for taking some, some time out of your day to chat with me. I, I hope that um, it was a fun experience, but again, I'm just so grateful for your thoughts and insights and honesty as you talk about this career path um, and ways that students can get involved. So thank you. Well, thank you. It's been a joy talking with you. We hope you loved this episode of the USU Career Studio podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe and share this episode with your friends and family. 